Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everybody, and welcome into this episode of La Liga Lowdown. I'm Hugh McTeer, your host, and this episode is rebroadcast, as it always is, on Sirius XMFC 157. It's La Liga's Match Day 25 that we're recapping this time out, and what a match day this was. We knew it was going to be good because we had 1st versus 6th, 2nd versus 5th, and 3rd versus 4th. The 2nd versus 5th game is Real Madrid against Real Sociedad, and that's actually the Monday night game, so too late for us to talk about here, but... We've got lots more to cover in this episode as we'll discuss the other two big heavyweight clashes. We'll hear about Granada's fantastic week two, we'll hear some raw emotion from a distraught Valencia side, and we'll preview the upcoming Copa del Rey semi-final second legs that are taking place in this midweek. Just by a quick of the fixture list, the two semi-final matchups also took place in La Liga this weekend. One of them was Sevilla versus Barcelona, that was the third versus fourth game coming into this weekend. They faced off at the sanchez Pichuan, where Sevilla had beaten Barcelona in the Copa just a couple of weeks ago, but this time it was Barcelona who secured the 2-0 win with one of their very best performances of the season. They were brilliant in a change formation with a back three. Messi set up Dembele for a goal in the first half before he himself scored in the second with a goal that was half skill and half effort. He really does love playing against Sevilla. I'll be honest and admit that I was surprised by how good Barcelona were in this game after some lacklustre performances of late. But let's find out what our Barca correspondent Roman de Arcaire thought. Roman, did you expect this big win? I must say I didn't really expect it, at least not this comfortably, I'd say, because uh, Barca were the clear dominant side in this match. I mean, they generated... Uh, all the important opportunities in this game because I think Sevilla barely had any chances uh, maybe in the second half but in the first half Barca completely uh, cancelled them out so I was certainly not expecting this kind of a performance from Barcelona uh, taking into account how things had gone recently against uh, tough teams like PSG or Sevilla themselves in the Copa del Rey. I mentioned at the top that Ronald Koeman used a new tactical formation can you talk us through that? 
Yeah, Kuman went for an unexpected formation with three center backs uh, with Pique, Lenglet, and Mingueza, and then two really deep fullbacks with um, Serginho Dest and Jordi Alba. It's a formation we'd seen this season, but maybe um, not that much, and hadn't expected him to to use this in this particular game. And it was interesting to see that in this case, uh, Dest was way more. Uh, offensive than Jordi Alba he was going down and attack he even had that really good opportunity where he hit the post whereas Jordi Alba was more focused on, on defensive tasks he wasn't going up so much so you could clearly see that, that on one hand this formation was chosen um, to to kind of prevent Sevilla from generating superiorities and having good opportunities and it absolutely worked and also I really like that up front you had Dembele he was the the front guy with uh, Messi Messi obviously has a lot of freedom to move and do whatever he wants but Dembele was really uh, focused on finding those spaces and he really did get them because uh, that goal he scored was clearly a through ball from Leo Messi and he had uh, meters to run and he found those spaces during the whole game and that really allowed him to shine, I think, and he was definitely one of the best players for Barcelona. Yeah, Dembele was good and any tactical formation is improved when you have Messi in it. He was as great as ever against Sevilla. He really loves playing against them, doesn't he? Yeah, it's hard to find a game in which Messi doesn't score against Sevilla. And we actually did see that in the first leg of the Copa del Rey with that 2-0 um, defeat against him. But in this game, once again, he scored another goal. A wonderful goal, by the way, after a great assist from uh, the young, talented Iliaks. And in this case, I mean, Messi got his 38th goal against Sevilla in 41 games. So that's just... An absolutely shocking stat, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing what this guy can do. And he was great overall, I think in line with, with the team in general, because um, looking back, I tried to think of which players were the best, and I think um, Dembele was great, Messi was great, Busquets was great, who's been criticized quite a lot lately, Pedri as usual, um, Sergino Des was good, Frankie de Jong, etc, etc. So overall, the whole uh, team performed really well. Yeah, there's no team Messi has scored more often against than Sevilla, which is amazing. It's not like they've been pushovers all of his career. They've been a solid side and he always turns up against them. So that was good news for Barcelona, but there was bad news as Pedri picked up a calf injury in this game. Ronald Araujo also got injured just after coming back from an injury. Roman, do you think Araujo was rushed back too soon? I mean, if the doctor said he was ready to play, I don't see why it was necessarily rushed, you know, they're the experts, they're the professionals, and they, they know much more than us, but of course these things happen at the time, and let's not forget that Piquet was also on the field, he's also uh, returning recently from a very, very bad injury, and apparently he had an agreement with Kuman not to play the whole game and to get some rest, and of course Kuman could have brought in Umtiti, but we all know he isn't a very reliable defender at the moment, and given that Araujo was technically available, then... I think it made sense, but it was just, just unlucky, you know, for, for, for the club overall. Hopefully, it's not too bad and he'll be back soon because Barca definitely need him. We'll see if he can make it for the Copa second leg on Wednesday. Pedri, meanwhile, is definitely out of it. Looking ahead to the second leg then, does Saturday's match tell you anything? Does it give you any clues about how the second leg will go? doesn't really say much on how the match will go because I think every game is, is a whole new experience but uh, it does tell me that Kuman will very likely repeat that same formation and from what we've seen in the past this season when he finds a formation that gets him a good result he usually uh, plays it a few more times at least 
until it stops working or whatever and then he might decide to make some changes so I really do think it's very likely we see that 3-5-2 uh, again against Sevilla but of course Lopetegui who's very smart very tactical uh, he'll surely uh, find ways to, to stop Barca from performing as they did in this game at the Sanchez-Pizjuan and he'll be looking to find those weaknesses in this uh, formation that Kuman played and I don't think it will be as dominating or as easy for Barcelona as we saw in this match. I think it'll be a bit harder and scoring two goals plus another goal you'll need to, to go through unless we go to penalties won't be easy at all for Barcelona. Yeah, I agree with that, Roman. I almost wonder if Coleman played his best hand in the wrong game of this Barcelona versus Sevilla series because, yeah, as you say, Lopetegui now has a chance to work out what went wrong and to fix it. And I genuinely think that for both sides, this Copa game is more important than the league one. So I'm certainly looking forward to that on Wednesday. We'll, of course, be covering it as it happens on La Liga Lowdown social media. The other Copa second leg is Levante against Athletic. And we're going to discuss that too in part two, because they also played each other this weekend. But next, let's talk about the Sunday night party that. So Villarreal against Atletico was sixth place, hosting first place. But Atleti were having to start looking over their shoulders after a few poor results. Barcelona's win on Saturday actually moved them to within just two points of Diego Simeone's side, albeit that Atleti had two games in hand at that point. So, with the Madrid derby on the horizon too, it was vital that they got back to winning ways. And they did. It was not at all easy against Villarreal. It was a game of fine margins as Atleti's opener came with a few fortunate bobbles on the goal line after a savage header, before Villarreal had a very similar chance that just wouldn't cross the line. Villarreal created a lot of chances in the second half as well, but the only other goal was from substitute Joao Felix, who then shouted at somebody to shut up. I'm not quite sure at who or what, if it was a specific person or if he was just angry at a general concept or what, but he channeled that anger in a good way for Atletico and they collect three valuable points with their 2-0 win as well as our first clean sheet in nine games. Speaking of anger, we've got our sore throat game of the week segment now, and it's a clash between two teams who often get feisty when they face each other, Hitafi and Valencia. In the latest battle between these teams, it was Hitafi who came out on top as 3-0 winners, and now Matt Clark is coming up with the sounds, the stats, and the storylines from this one. Hetafe took on Valencia in a clash between two of the worst performing sides this season compared to the last campaign. The game started as many would have expected, tense and cagey, but Mauro Arambari changed the mood when he emphatically struck the opener. Hetafe hadn't scored a goal in over nine and a half hours of football. That was Marco Correa's early opener at San Mamés in January. Pepe Bordalas's side had also been a shadow of themselves and had rarely even looked like troubling any goalkeeper in that period. But what a way to end the drought. The Uruguay midfielder has a penchant for scoring long-range strikes, and this may be his best yet. The Copé commentary speaks for itself here, with the narrators discussing whether this was the goal of the season so far. In truth, it didn't matter how the goal came, Bordelas would certainly have taken it. And things got better for his side when Mukhtar Diakabi was sent off for being the last man. Just minutes after that, Jaime Mata held off the challenge of Gabriel Paulista to fire home the second, 
after a lovely old-fashioned flick-on from Enezu now. Late on, Carles Alinha half-volleyed it into the net just two minutes after coming on to seal a big and much-needed win for Los Azulones. The celebration showed a mixture of Alinha's elation at scoring his first goal for the club, relief with the result rubber-stamped, and a togetherness and unity among the players. As you can hear on the Cope commentary, it capped off a great night for Getafe and a hard blow for Valencia. Ese balón muerto dentro del área no llega Silesen. Culmina el Getafe un gran partido. 42 de la segunda en Getafe marca Leña. Getafe 3 Valencia 0. So how did Getafe turn it around? Well, put simply, they rediscovered their mojo. Exactly a year to the day since they knocked Ajax out of the Europa League in Amsterdam, they found that unique identity in a back to the future style. Bordalas returned to his tried and trusted 4-4-2 with a pair of big strikers up top and strength through the spine of the team. The much-hyped loan signings Take Kubo and Carlos Alinha were both left on the bench as they went back to what worked for them so well in the past. Physical, aggressive and on the front foot. Adam Badi's goal obviously gave them a massive boost of confidence and they just grew from there. Recently there has been a growing chorus of criticism of their combative style and there have been some bad challenges recently including one from Eric Cabaco in this game that went unpunished. But for me, a lot of that criticism was blown out of proportion because they're an easy target. It's worth remembering that at their best, Etafe can mix it with anyone in Spain, and it was a refreshing alternative for neutrals. As for Valencia, it was another lamentable evening, something which we were becoming used to with alarming regularity this season. Gabriel's post-match comments and demeanour on Movistar were profound. When asked about being in a relegation battle, he seemed to choke up and his eyes filled with tears. The reality of the situation seemed to hit home. It's messed up to hear this. A club as big as Valencia, to hear this is messed up. We have to get out of this. We have to improve and get Valencia to where they deserve. Uh, un club tan, tan grande como, como el Valencia y eh, escuchar esto eh, es jodido. Pero tenemos que sacar eso por delante. Eh. Nos queda, nos queda mucho partido y, y vamos a mejorar y vamos a llevar Valencia donde lo mires. You can clearly hear the emotion through his words. Frankly, he sounded broken and it's hard to see how they can recover quickly. They have two upcoming Friday night games against regional rivals Villarreal and Levante. You feel they have to win at least one of those to avoid being dragged deeper into the relegation scrap. Thanks, Matt. As you said, there are some huge matches ahead for Valencia and we'll see if they can produce a couple of happier post-match interviews in the weeks ahead. For us, this brings us to the halfway stage of this week's matchday recap, but after this short pause, we'll be back with the rest of the weekend storylines. Mom? 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello everyone and welcome back to this episode of La Liga Lowdown. We're recapping match day 25 of the 2020-21 La Liga season. So let's talk about the first fixture of the round now. That was Levante versus Athletic on Friday night. A game that finished 1-1 with a penalty each for either side. One scored by Roger Marti, one scored by Raul Garcia. As with Sevilla versus Barcelona, this game will be repeated in midweek on Thursday night in the Copa del Rey semis. So... Let's bring in Athletic fan and journalist Benyat Gutierrez now to discuss the Friday game and to look ahead to the rematch. Firstly, Benyat, I've been struck by this stat, right? Athletic have had 13 games with Marcelino now, okay? They've fallen behind at some stage in 10 of these, but of those 10 matches where they trailed at some point, they've come back to win 5 of them, they've come back to draw 3 of them, and they've only lost 2 of them, the 2 against Barcelona in the league. It happened again in this game where they fought back to get a point from a losing position. So, is this ability to come back something you think Marcelino is responsible for? Marcelino has completely changed Athletic's mentality. The team was lacking of ambition during the last months of Garitano's team as a manager. And now, with Marcelino, Athletic feels like a team that will always fight back and that won't give up until the final whistle. I feel it's a normal reaction when a club changes coaches. There's some adrenaline release that makes a player grow during that process, that makes them step up. And also, if we look at Marcelino in particular, he's the kind of manager that always improves the competitiveness of the team he coaches. So yeah, I think he is responsible for that ability to come back that we've seen recently in Athletic because he is the main responsible of this awakening for Athletic who was a sleeping team for a long time. He's been able in a very short time, and that's remarkable, to bring back some of the main features of Athletic's identity and always fighting till the end is one of the main characteristics that we associate with Athletic. 
Yeah, it's quite impressive. I guess they just need to stop conceding the first goal every week, though. Overall, analysing this league game was 1-1 a fair result. I think it was a fair result, yes. It's always tempting to write football fan fiction, but the truth is that it was a pretty close game. Athletic probably generated more chances, but then was inaccurate. That's not what luck. That's something that keeps happening to Athletic, that happened with Garitano, that keeps happening with Marcelino, and it's a, a recurring problem for Athletic. The same for individual defensive mistakes, that has cost a lot of points during the season. So if you look at the whole game, Athletic didn't do more than Levante to deserve a victory. Mistakes on both sides have consequences. That's a lesson Athletic knows, and it's time for them to solve them. And the next game where they can try to solve this, well, it's another Levante versus Athletic. What are your expectations for the second leg in the Copa after it was 1-1 in Bobao in, in the first leg? It's going to be a very different game, as Marcelino pointed out in the post-game press conference. The Tain Samames opens a whole bunch of scenarios, and I think the game will decide in the last 30 minutes. Probably everything will depend on small details. I feel Athletic has the necessary experience to handle such a high-expectation game. I'm wondering, though, how Levante is going to deal with it, considering that they are not that used to play these kind of games and that this is a historic chance for them to reach a final. The situation sort of reminds me to what happened in 2015. Athletic uh, played the semi-final against Espanyol. It was a tie in San Mames and then Espanyol struggled with the pressure and Athletic won by two in Barcelona. They reached the final. Let's see what happens this time. As an Athletic fan, which Levante players are you most concerned about? I'm not going to be very original here. Regardless of what happens with some players that are injured and may or may not play in the semi-final against Athletic, I think Jose Luis, El Comandante Morales, is a hell of a player and one of those who can change a game with his individual quality at any moment. And also, Roger Martí has that killer instinct that can be so, so helpful on a close game. But uh, besides individual performances, I think what makes Levante such a dangerous team is their collective effort. Paco Lopez has done a great job and they really deserve to enjoy this season where they have legitimate options to reach a final and also to fight for a European competition spot. Maybe this is the year when they win their first championship to go with their unofficial Copa de la España Libre. Yeah, that's a good point. They've never quite won an official major trophy, so you can imagine how motivated they'll be. Athletic, on the other hand, well, they just won the Super Cup in January, but we all know they'll want another title too. So lastly, Benya, which Athletic players do you think can be the heroes this time around? Munein is the key player for Athletic right now. His game has grown a lot since Marcelino's arrival and he's going through one of the best moments of his career. But Muni alone won't be enough against this Levante. Raul Garcia, who recently extended his contract with Athletic, seems a different player than he seemed at the start of the season. He's currently in great shape and is the kind of player who performs well on these big games. I also hope Unai Lopez gets a chance in the midfield because he helps the team to move the ball fluidly and he can be 
important for Athletic in the semifinal. And don't forget about Villa Libre. That guy is 100% Athletic and seems to have that X factor to appear on dramatic moments as he did in the Supercopa. And beyond all this, Athletic needs to avoid those mistakes that are so common and that can make the difference between failure and success. So let's move on to talk about a few of the other games we had this weekend. Sunday was Andalusia Day and we had an Andalusian derby to celebrate it between Cadiz and Betis. Overall, not too much happened, I'll be honest, but Wami got his first league goal of the season six minutes from time to earn a very narrow 1-0 win for Betis, one that moves them into the European qualification spots. So a pretty good Andalusia day for them. It was also a great Andalusia day for Granada as they overcame Elche 2-1. Domingos Quina, who only scores Galazzo's, opened the scoring. Lucas Boye equalised for Elche, but Antonio Puertas came up with the 2-1 winner late on to cap off a really special week for Granada. Because... When Granada fans look back on this week several years from now, they're not going to remember this Elche game, no. What they'll remember is how they dumped Napoli out of the Europa League last Thursday night, taking a 2-0 lead with them to Naples and going through with the 2-1 loss on the night. There's been a lot of talk about La Liga teams struggling in Europe, but this was a really exceptional result that I think just proves how much La Liga's middle class has improved since the new TV deal came in. So... Let's reflect on this historic Granada achievement a little with fan Heath Chesters. Here's a mini report from Heath on what it was like to be a Granada fan last Thursday night. After their superb 2-0 victory at Nueva Los Carmenes in the first leg, Granada had every reason to be confident ahead of the second leg. Nevertheless, this was always going to be another titanic struggle for the Andalusian outfit. Not only was this humble team travelling to Naples, and the Diego Armando Maradona Stadium. This was also going to be the 40th game of the season, which has utterly stretched the squad to its very limits. Even before travelling to Italy, at least 10 members of the squad were either out of action or doubtful, yet everyone made the journey, accompanied by club staff to cheer them on in the absence of any visiting supporters. Right before kick-off, Diet Darwin Matras was injured in the warm-up and had to be replaced in the starting eleven with options already threadbare due to these various injury problems. Once again, manager Diego Martinez was forced to shuffle his pack with last-minute changes, and they undoubtedly meant that the pre-match playbook was thrown out the window. Within just three minutes of the game starting, Zielinski fired Napoli ahead. This was always going to be part of the script, as Granada never do anything the easy way. However, when the 25th minute arrived and Dimitri Fulkier floated in a perfectly weighted cross from the right flank, Angel Montoro was there in the area, rising like a salmon to head Granada level on the night. Montoro was joined by Antonio Puertas, both players kissing the badge as they wheeled away in celebration. That crucial away goal meant everything. Granada now had something to cling to in this constant struggle to overcome the odds. The first half ended with Granada briefly down to 10 men with midfield linchpin Maxim Gonalons unable to continue. He was replaced at the start of the second half, as Granada found themselves battling for their very survival. Within minutes of the restart, practically ever-present left-back Carlos never went to ground. He couldn't continue either, tears on his face underlining both the physical and mental anguish. 
The next casualty was Herman Sanchez, the central defensive stalwart suffering one crunch too many, his legs unable to carry their burden any longer. Undoubtedly, Napoli smelt blood, and after a string of heroic saves already by Granada goalkeeper Rui Silva, he was finally beaten for a second time as Fabian Ruiz gave the home side hope. This was now a backs-to-the-wall job, plain and simple. Wave after wave of Napoli attacks followed, while Granada tried every trick in the book to resist. As the clock ticked into the final ten minutes, Montoro became the latest casualty. He was replaced by Jesus Vallejo, another player with injury problems, and wasn't expected to feature. Moments later, 38-year-old Man Mountain George Molina reached his very limits of his lung capacity, replaced by another spring chicken when 35-year-old Roberto Soldado stepped onto the field. Regardless of still carrying a hamstring injury, which should be keeping him out for another two weeks, Soldado insisted on being involved, determined to help Granada achieve their objective. When the final whistle came, after an eternity of stoppage time, the emotional and physical relief was there for everyone to see. Some players dropped to the floor in simple exhaustion, others broke down in tears. Yet this was a beautiful suffering of victory, rather than the anguish of defeat. Granada had eliminated one of the Europa League favourites, thanks to another gutsy display. Into the last 16 of the competition, Granada now faced Norwegian outfit Mould for a place in the last eight. Another roll of the dice in this epic adventure, which is turning into an odyssey that even Homer would have been proud to write. No matter how far this journey goes, this is a story that Granada fans will tell their grandchildren about. One for the ages. About the Spanish underdogs who have refused to quit, no matter how difficult the challenge, no matter how hard the obstacles. Who knows how that story will unfold in the next exciting chapter. Although one thing is guaranteed, this Granada team will continue to face every challenge with dignity and pride, worthy of the praise these European warriors have rightfully earned. The eternal lucha, the eternal struggle, continues. Thanks, Heath, for bringing us the lowdown there on Granada. Moving on now, let's discuss some of the games we had this weekend that were important for the relegation battle. Osasuna were the big victors of the round as they went away to Alaves and won 1-0 with a Kiki Barja goal late on. That was our fourth win in six La Liga matches, moving them even further away from the drop zone. Well, it plunged Alaves right into the thick of it. Meanwhile, Iber versus Huesca and Celta Vigo versus Real Valladolid were the two 2 p.m. kickoffs across Saturday and Sunday, and they followed similar patterns. In each game, the away team scored a fairly late goal to go ahead, but in each game, the home team struck back even later to earn a 1-1 draw. For Ibar, it was Papi Diop who was a hero to cancel out Sandro's goal. For Celta Vigo, it was Jason Murillo who broke Real Valladolid's hearts after Fabian Oriana had given them hope of a victory. With Ibar, Huesca and Real Valladolid drawing, and with Elche losing, not much has changed down at the bottom. Huesca are still rock bottom on 20 points, then it's Elche in 19th on 21 points, and Alaves in 18th on 22 points, although they are level on points with Real Valladolid and Ibar. Keep an eye on Cadiz, by the way. Only three points further ahead and tumbling downwards with a lot of negative momentum. For now though, we'll have a midweek of focusing on the Copa del Rey semi-final second legs. I hope you enjoy these games and remember to follow along and interact with us on social media as they take place across Wednesday and Thursday. Before I go, let me thank this week's contributors. That's Roman de Arker, 
Matt Clark, Benyak Gutierrez and Heath Chesters. I've been your host, Jim McTeer, and I thank you very much for listening. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.